Stardate 6.1.22. Captain Dakin and I have endeavored on a new journey to learn more about a franchise called Star Trek The Next Generation. Our mission has come across a strange encounter here. We've We've, we've found somebody on the other end of, of a beacon, a signal, if you will. And that's where our story begins. Yeah, that's exactly where it begins. That was so eloquent. <laughs> I felt like I was on a spaceship. Did, did I give you feelings of like you're, ta- you're listening to like Picard or Kirk? I feel like I was in the beginning of a Star Trek episode. It felt like that was the way we wanted to go, though, right? Well, you like, got those dulcet tones. So when you talk, everything sounds good. That's the thing. <laughs> That's the biggest compliment I've had about the podcast. People are like, I didn't know Tom's voice was so velvety. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I feel like when I listen to myself, I sound like a dope. <laughs> but everyone else is like, no, you sound really good. But I think. We're ki- we're killing it so far with with the voice the voice work that's being brought to the table. Yeah, you're right. good. I sound like I ran up a flight of steps whenever I talk. I'm like <laughs> out of breath a little. <laughs> hey man, we came out of a a two year pandemic. We were still <laughs> trying to get out of it. Everybody's a little out of their element, just a smidge, right? But not you, and not our guest. Not our guest here to talk to us about today's topic. Star Trek, the next generation is our guest, Christy Barbatelli. Hello, Christy. Hello, Tom. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I love that intro. <laughs> <laughs> I was really holding back and trying not to geek out, but I totally was. <laughs> yeah, I just hope you can put some like sick theremin in the background. I don't know. Does Star Trek do theremin or is that just more like old, like 50s space? I feel you're gonna have to define uh, theremin. Theremin's yeah. like that ghost sounding instrument, like the you know, where they're like raising their hands up. Oh. Any sort of space twilight zone noise, it's that theremin. It's like a violin dying, is what it sounds like. Definitely original series. Okay, but cool. Right? Wasn't that the original series theme? It's like, Whoa. yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's probably theremin right there. Whoa! I didn't know that's what that instrument was called. Or is that like a technique? Or no, it's an instrument. Okay. Someone just heard that and was like, "That sounds like creepy alien stuff." Let's. There is somebody like yelling at their radio. It's an instrument. <laughs> that's what it is. It's an instrument. <laughs> I do like how I assume everyone's listening to this on their radio and not on their like AirPods or whatever they have. I go down to the open mic at Buffalo Wild Wings every night with my theremin <laughs> and I play my heart out. <laughs> For those of you who are not aware of what you're listening to, by the way, this is State of the Franchise, a podcast that talks about franchises of all shapes, <laughs> sizes, backgrounds, genres, types. Uh, I am your host, Tom Stadler, here with the one and only Captain Fred Dakin. And uh, we already introduced our guest, who is, I guess, this week, Admiral Christy Barbatelli. Whoa. Whoa, I will take the promotion. Well, there's only like two people that visit starships, right? It's always either like a very high ranking officer or some like vagabond that they found floating through the star system, right? Oh, that's true. There's not really a happy medium, is there? 
What if I was a vagabond admiral? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. I would say like there's an unhappy medium, Deanna. Is she a medium? Oh no, she's um she's from Beta Z, and the humanoids from Beta Z are actually they can read minds. In fact, they uh, communicate telepathically with each other almost solely. Okay. They really only talk when they need to, except Deanna Troy is only half beta Z. So she can really only sense, you know, she's more empathic than she is telepathic. Mm. Okay. That that's starting to ring a bell now. Cause like I watched a smattering of episodes to research for this episode of episodes to research for the one episode to rule them all. Mm-hmm. Say. <laughs> and What's <laughs> we'll, we'll get to Lord of the Rings at some point, someday. It's been in high demand. <laughs> but I definitely kind of forgot a couple of like everyone's shticks. Like, you know, it's like what's what's Worf's like his background or like what's his backstory? I was like, is he full like uh Klingon or is he like half? But is that a question or is that a it's kind of rhetorical? <laughs> If you, I would, I'm interested. No, all I have next to Worf is MVP, always putting <laughs> up with shit. Because <laughs> that's the vibe I get. I was like, why is everyone like dogging on Worf all the time? <laughs> and oh man, it's true. Yeah, it's, he does kind of put up with a lot, but I also feel like he throws some bad opinions out sometimes or bad ideas. They're like, we need a solution to this problem. And he's like, I think we should just bomb him. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, Worf, we value your opinion and your place on the bridge, but sit this one out, buddy. <laughs> like that's, that's, that might be overkill, um, literally and figuratively. So for this week on State of the Franchise, uh, we obviously are introducing a lot of fun new segments. And uh, one that I did want to cover with both our guest and my, my valued co-host here is... What's on your streaming cloud recently? So I have to ask, maybe we'll start with you, Fred. What's up? What's been on your, what's been on your tube recently? Oh man, there is only one thing on my tube right now. And it was getting in the way of me watching so much Star Trek, but I can't believe I'm saying this. I just can't get enough of that Yellowstone. (laughs) I'm on season two of Yellowstone. And you ever see like those, like, videos on social media where it's like people watching a show and it's like first week of watching this Mm. second weekend they become like one of the characters (laughs) i'm definitely watching yellowstone like yeah i could see getting a piece of land a couple i could see just ranching for a while (laughs) i'm really enjoying it something that i didn't think i would i'm like half waiting for you to come into the studio one day and you're just gonna have kevin costner here (laughs) well i moved out to montana and that's where I really did my best work out there. Because he's just like, oh, you got to protect the land for the yesterday people. Like, that's what he sounds like the whole time. Like, you got to start thinking about yesterday and tomorrow. And did he just become way more old and grizzled in between? Like, <laughs> man is steel in this? Yeah, it's just like light cowboy succession. But it's super watchable, and I'm loving it. <laughs> I was just about to say, like, someone just made that comparison. I've watched Succession, but I haven't watched Yellowstone. Oh, yeah. I, I recommend it because it's definitely not as good, but it's maybe a better time. <laughs> <laughs> I keep do I do keep hearing that for sure. 
And I do want to watch Yellowstone because I did like Succession, but I got so much stuff on <laughs> on streaming right now. Um, I now we've been watching, well, Star Trek Discovery, as a matter of fact. And I do like where it was going the first two seasons. We're on season three. I'm kind of starting to slip a little bit. May have to get your opinion on this, Christy, which will prove is a perfect segue into to this week's topic, too. But uh, I, I just felt like the first two seasons, it felt like they they were a little more tightly knit uh, season one. You mean you had Jason Isaacs, who was a, a wonderful captain. And season two, you brought in Anson Mount, who, spoiler alert, just made an appearance, too, in the new Doctor Strange in a very secret cameo. but. I'll have to Google who Anson Mount is. <laughs> He's also in something else, too. I recognize him now, definitely from his uh, Doctor Strange role. Yeah. Uh, and he's on Hell and High Wheels. Uh, I guess I know him most from the Britney Spears road trip movie Crossroads, where oh, he's the guy on. that drives them across the road. That's funny. Oh, my God. Well, now I have to look him up. Wait. <laughs> See? Everybody's going to be on the Anson Mount train before you know it. But, I mean, obviously, you know him as Pike. If, and especially for anybody listening, oh. they know him as Pike. Like, oh my gosh, yes, yes. Or as my friend and I jokingly call him, um, Space Daddy. I, Daddy. I can see it. <laughs> he's he's absolute. He's Space Daddy. Wow. Mm-hmm. He's also got like the dad who's willing to be like the the kids' football coach energy, like the hot football coach dad. Just yeah. like, oh yeah, we come to all the practices. <laughs> and some mount is the coach. Yeah. He's Such a, supportive moms and dads. <laughs> right. He'd even be the dad, though, that shows up on practice and is not at all on the coaching staff, but he's still going to give the kids tips. <laughs> like, yeah, Johnny, you're uh, you're dipping too low on your pole blocks. <laughs> <laughs> but he's got the jawline, man, for like a good captain. And he's just got like the jawline for like any of those types of characters. I don't know. Christy, what are your overall thoughts? And are you like all the way caught up? Um, I am all the way caught up on Discovery. I overall really like discovery i think sometimes the time travel-y i feel like they have these really great big speeches that happen and this actually comes up for me with picard as well because it's Mm. the same it's the same showrunner and all of that sure it's like these big speeches that are very much on point with kind of the star trek theme since the very beginning but then it's really crowded with all of these sci-fi things that happen, and there's just not really a moment to slow down and get to know everybody. Yeah. I feel like everyone's running at a 10 constantly all the time. Yes. And it's and that's a lot. That's a lot to watch. Your energy has to, like, you have to pump yourself up a little bit. Oh, I was just going to say, from an outsider, it just doesn't look like it has those vibes that the original our Star Trek Next Generation even has not as much as the original, but that's why I like throwing on a Star Trek because it's like a whole vibe, like the set design, the costumes, mm-hmm. and it said sounds more like the Abrams stuff. Yeah, honestly, it really does feel that way. And what I love kind of about the older Treks and TNG obviously starts with a really great stride on it is you see people on their day off, you get to know them. And that's kind of the beauty of it. You really get to know these people and what this life in the future looks like. Right. As opposed to 
in a Doctor Who reference, like wibbly wobbly timey wimey <laughs> stuff. You know, it's easy to get caught up in that. And I, I feel like it gets a little lost in that sometimes, but I feel like they have the characters for it in Discovery. They have the they have the characters and the actors to like slow down and enjoy that. But I'm hoping that they will maybe next season. I don't know. But Overall, I think it's good, but I couldn't really tell you off the top of my head everything that happened because it was just like a lot. It was a lot for sure. No, that's definitely it's a good breakdown on Discovery, though, too. And I think the one thing, you know, I'll add and you kind of touched on it, Christy, is that it's with Voyager or TNG. You can drop in on those episodes anywhere you go. You can pull up an episode like we kind of did in some of our research and like, okay, we're going to watch this and kind of get this story or this element. Where if you try to drop in on Discovery, you're missing half the story because it is the overarching thing. And yeah, I I kind of missed the the mystery of the week or the science project of the week or whatever's going on. With or Star just Trek. like we're gonna go in a room and we're gonna talk this shit out, right? <laughs> yeah. Or like a crazy mishap, some crazy science experiment mishap, and then the whole ship has to yeah <laughs> themselves. Yeah. I mean, I definitely would still recommend Discovery for anybody who does like the long narrative storytelling. The first two seasons, I do really enjoy. I'm still kind of hanging in there with number three, but it's definitely a different flavor than your typical Star Trek show, for sure. What else are you watching there, Christy? Have anything else that's been in your your streaming recently? I just finished Minx on HBO Max. Hmm. I binged through that pretty quickly. Um, It's... It takes place in the 70s, and basically this woman has been trying to get her, like, feminist magazine off the ground and is having a hell of a time because it's the 70s and every big publishing house is, you know, run by men and all of that. Except for this publisher who's played by Jake Johnson. Oh. And he does porn magazines. Oh. (laughs) So he's actually, like, interested in this magazine. So they basically make this backwards playboy. Oh, nice. Wow. <laughs> Basically, it's it's a porno mag for women to see men, but then there are all these, like, really, really, like, highbrow articles in there. Mm-hmm. It kind of blows up. So it's it's fun to watch. It's it's madness. It's very HBO. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, they're going all out 70s on HBO right now. I feel like that's kind of like... Similar yet different from they have the Lakers show, right? Isn't that the yeah. 70s, like basketball in LA? And so like oh, they're going funny. all in, to, in on that, which yeah. is like I've seen both of those shows on HBO Max and they're both shows that I'm like, oh, yeah, I want to get to these, especially when winning time is done, which I don't know if it is, but when it's done, I want to watch it for sure. Yeah, that's definitely one that's been on my radar, too. Is that was there another show with Maggie Gyllenhaal in it where they were also making porno? Or they're doing something related related to pornos? Or was that Showtime? I can't think what the show is called now. So many streaming places. But it had very much a vibe of, like, Boogie Nights. Like, it, Oh, nice. Yeah. That's, at least from the promotionals for Minx, I can say that's kind of the vibe they're going for. It's, like, the big, like, mustard color, you know, <laughs> is, like, the background. So, yeah, it's definitely, and I love Jake Johnson. He's great. Yeah, it's a really fun show. I binged it quite quickly. <laughs> it's really fun to watch. Yeah. Oh, the show I was thinking of was The Deuce. Oh, yeah. That was that f- show where it's James Franco, and it's made by the guy who made The Wire, David. I always want to say David Chase, but that's The Sopranos guy. 
David Simon. Yes. It's made by him, but it's like James Franco playing twins. So if you want to, if, if one Franco is not enough for you, how about two in this show? And they called it the deuce. I'm sorry, but the name, the deuce. Yeah. Yeah. Came out also around the same time as vinyl. Like they've, tr- yeah. they love the seventies over there. They, they like, love well, David Simon. The props, and the props for it. Let's just, <laughs> yeah. It was literally like somebody at HBO saw boogie nights and was like, I want, 15 shows just like that. They were like, this is Bobby Cannavale's mustache from vinyl. You can use it for the minx. It's <laughs> fantastic. I mean, there's obviously a lot to watch out there, but no, that's good to good recommendation. Um, and I think when you think about those shows, obviously that's been newer and still coming out and hopefully going to get season two. So I'm in to check that out too. Probably the same thing as when time, like when it's done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Getting through it. But while we are talking about those shows, we are here to talk about Star Trek, the next generation, not Discovery or anything else. Mm -hmm. So for those who are not familiar with Star Trek, the next generation, it is the second live action Star Trek series, third overall Star Trek series uh, after Star Trek, the animated series. That was a short lived run back in the late 60s. But Star Trek... Next Generation follows the journeys of the Enterprise D and Captain Picard and his crew throughout their continuing mission to seek out new lives and or strange new worlds, new lives and new civilizations. Christy, you, you can fill in the gaps here. What is it? What? What? Hold on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, nope, I can't recite that off the top of my head. It's shameful, I know. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. It's continuing mission to seek out strange new worlds. Another new show with Christopher Pike. <laughs> <laughs> See the thing about the frontier? It's a dangerous place. <laughs> like, oh, wait, are, we, wait, are we talking about what are we talking about? Yeah. <laughs> Let's seek out new lives, new civilizations. New yeah. Something mm-hmm. like that. They boldly go where no one has gone before. Jeez. That's them? That's them. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, and that's the biggest summary you could probably do of Star Trek. I mean, they do go through a whole lot of like political stuff, but I mean, we'll get all into that coming up here. So I guess Christy is our, is our special guest this week and our subject matter expert. Tell us a little bit about, well, first of all, where did you get started on your journey into Star Trek in general, and then how did you end up finding the next generation? Oh, oh my gosh. So this is when I lived in Chicago, and I went to Juggernaut Film Festival, which is the sci-fi film festival. Mm-hmm. And the host that year was Gates McFadden. Oh. So this was back in 2018. So she's literally like kind of the MC of the whole weekend. Because it was all happening at the Music Box Theater in Chicago. And so I, you know, had bought just a whole weekend pass. And I'm just like, well, cool. I have no idea who Gates McFadden is, but that's fine. I guess I'm going to learn. And, (laughs) of course, it included this, like, early morning Q&A on a Saturday morning. So Mm -hmm. I go and get my coffee and I bring it in. And I'm sitting, like, maybe third row because I give zero shits. And (laughs) because I'm just like... I, if I got a question, they, they got to see my face. But she was just standing there on stage. And 
as they started, as she kind of started to talk through her career, I realized, oh, she played Dr. Crusher on Next Generation. I hadn't watched a minute of Star Trek up to this oh. point. Not one, not one second. And she starts, I start learning more about Gates McFadden and that not only was she on this long-running TV show, but she also has this lengthy theater career that she was also the choreographer for Labyrinth with David Bowie, that she was also, she's also a teacher. Like, she just has this, like, incredible career as an artist, and I was completely blown away. And I kind of just sat there with my morning coffee, like, I think I've fallen in love a little bit. (laughs) And I'm just, I was just like, well, I well, now I have to watch Next Generation. Mm-hmm. Now I have to. And that's when I started, and I literally could not stop. I could not stop watching it. I was addicted. So Next Gen was my first trek. Wow. wow. First trek into the trek. It's true. It's TNG. First venture onto the new frontier. Wow. That's yeah. excellent. And how many of the shows now have you seen in the Star Trek universe? There are a handful. I've seen the first episode of Strange New Worlds. I've seen, and I think the back two seasons of Voyager I'm missing, and the animated series. Aside from those, I have watched all of it. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I was pretty insatiable. I was was going through some stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I was having some really... Actually, very truly, honestly, I was in a very strange transitional time in my life, and I loved this show that was a little bit like, it was this ensemble of people that had different backgrounds, and it was a little bit of like a cast of oddballs, Mm -hmm. and people sort of finding their way through space. And I was like, hey, me too! (laughs) (laughs) Was it like specifically the Star Trek Next Generation or do you have any affinity for the aesthetics of TV at that time? Because for me, like I didn't watch Star Trek Next Generation, but when I do watch it, it's like super comforting that style of television from that time. The show that's like way different, but like I kind of get my comfort food from is Goosebumps. (laughs) Like that like 90s television like style, like with just the music everything is like comfort food for me it really was made that way wasn't it like Mm -hmm. the way the music was composed the way like even the colors on that set like you want you see one of those rooms or those cabins that they have on that ship and you're just like oh that'd be kind of cool i'd actually want one of those like (laughs) i'd love to look out the window and see the stars whizzing by like how dope is that um I do love the idea of playing the poker game with like the stars outside the window in the background. <laughs> the poker game scenes are some of my favorite in those episodes. I just love like that in the 24th century, these people are on this spaceship sitting down playing with like paper playing cards. <laughs> so, where Star Wars is like, no, we're going to do literal 3D chess. <laughs> <laughs> right. And like, even there's like even an episode, um, where they go on the holodeck and they do, you know, what we call like, you know, wild west, but mm-hmm. for them they call it the ancient west and they like <laughs> do things. It's like ancient <laughs> for them all the time. But going back to your observation, Fred, about like 
kind of that comfort TV. There is something to it. It's meant for you to come back to every week. It's meant to be like, that was kind of the beauty of episodic television at the time. Like it was written that way. It was written to be like each new week, what hijinks are going to happen next? Like what, like, Hey man, come on in, join us. And that was the vibe. Mm -hmm. And written to be watched every week, not like sitting in someone's queue for, you know, like it's meant to be, I, I love that the community of it. Yeah. Of TV yeah. back in the day. <laughs> I do. It's a total aside on that too. I do love the TV and streaming is even kind of getting back to that. Like, I love that. I think like the boys was one of the first shows to really do that again of like, no, we're going to give you two episodes out the gate, but then you got to wait till next week mm-hmm. to see the next one. And then the next one. And it's like you get to be get into it because then you get to start theorizing, get to think about what you saw rather than be like, okay, that was a cool episode. What's next? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the staircase just did that. It was nice. Yeah. Yeah, you have to digest it. You like that's also just really smart on a marketing standpoint. People binge things and then two weeks later they're binging something else. You can easily forget it. Yeah. You know? No, I say as, we as any back. of us learned in uh, maybe high school, but binging it doesn't really stick to your memory. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how many of you binged for a test, but I don't remember anything I studied for. No, nope. sure. Um, Study and then you dump it, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although that that sounds like you have quite the wealth of knowledge on Star Trek, Christy. We're, we're excited to dive even deeper into the topic with you. And Fred, you said so. You have watched TNG, but you weren't like you haven't seen like the entire series. No, I probably have seen like three to five episodes. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I would have watched more if it wasn't on that damn Paramount Plus. <laughs> it would have been on Netflix like it was supposed to be. I would have had a lot more takes. Man. I would check Hulu. I would check Hulu. Check Hulu? Okay. Um, it was on Hulu for a long time, too. I thought last time I was on it, I saw the icon pop up. But if I'm wrong, then I'm sorry. But it's <laughs> No worries. Might be worth the investigation if you have Hulu. It totally ends up being a tie-in subscription to like CBS <laughs> oh or like gosh. Peacock. Like, yeah, get it for five dollars a month with your Hulu package. Oh, <laughs> no. no, I don't know. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. <laughs> but really, <laughs> um, no. I mean, that's great though. And you've seen the movies. I think we talked about that a little bit. Which we'll talk a little bit about the movies. I think we kind of have to because there's some big story arcs that get concluded in the movies for certain characters. That's for sure. Yeah. And everything for me, it's basically been the same kind of experience that you had Christy in a way of, I didn't really know about star Trek until it, I kind of stumbled upon it. Like I, the original series became available on YouTube. This is like back in like the, the ancient West days of mm-hmm. YouTube. <laughs> and people could just put things on, but like YouTube acquired a license for the original series and threw it on there as like for free. And I was like, okay. So when I'd be taking the bus to and from college, I would just throw these on my laptop while I was sitting and waiting as an hour and a half ride each way. So I'd be able to crush a couple episodes. And I was like, well, this is a really fun series. And I mean, it went super quick because the original series is so short. So I was like, well, maybe I can find the next generation. Maybe that's good too. And I think it was on Netflix at the time or something. I found that, watched it all. And yeah, I really enjoyed it because it did kind of offer that. I mean, that comfort feeling like you get with each episode, like it was a perfect like background thing. If you were studying, 
but it also like it kind of helped inspire me at a time when I was trying to write and I've tried to like, you know, binge through like the Twilight Zone episodes and stuff to really inspire my writing. I thought that Star Trek really like helped me think differently about how you approach a story. And I just love how they do have that kind of Twilight Zone feel where each week kind of has its own theme. Like there's something like people learn a little bit, even though it's not like beating you over the head, like Picard became a more enlightened person that day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but there are a couple episodes like that, right? Where it's like you can tell that like Worf like learned more about humanity. Like, I understand now how it's different than a Klingon. <laughs> <laughs> And then there are the and then there are the episodes where they totally leave it on a minor note. They're just like, oh, what did oh, what's that gonna do? Yeah. We patched that rift in space, and well, let's get the hell out of here, right? Get a drink. <laughs> like, what taste does that leave in your mouth? One's Earl Grey. <laughs> that's my favorite. Hot, hot. Getting dangerously into like Sean Connery from. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine Sean Connery as Picard on there. That, that that's a perfect what if. <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel he would be a really good like because in all these movies, I feel you have like the captain, doesn't matter who it is, and then you have like the brass that comes in who's really tough on them, like you've been doing things your way too long. And yeah. I feel Sean Connery just coming in like, you really think you can do it like that? You know, <laughs> just like I've flown Starfleet since you were in diapers. <laughs> I'm actually looking it up because I'm like, I can't believe he wasn't in just like an, a movie because there's always so many random cameos in these movies. Like I watched uh, Generations not too long ago. And uh, what's his name? The guy who's Cameron Fry from Ferris Bueller is like the captain. Alan <laughs> Ruck. Yeah. Yeah. Succession. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Full circle. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But he's like the captain on the bridge. He's like, he's like, Kirk, Kirk, come in here. I want you to I want you to launch off this ship. And I'm like, why? Why is Cameron on the bridge right now? <laughs> Get him out of here. <laughs> but it's it's fun. It's all good fun. That was like the no way home of its day. I feel I didn't even know that movie existed where there was one with both of them, but I was like, I actually enjoyed that a lot because I was like, Oh, look at them. They're both there. <laughs> oh, you Starfleet. That sounds like a Starfleet officer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's going to be too many impressions of all the characters today. I can already feel it. <laughs> so getting into the history, just a little bit as we kind of get into our history and highlights section here. So Star Trek, the next generation uh, was started a little bit back in the early eighties. Gene Roddenberry, who created the original series of Star Trek decided he wanted to come back and try something different, but didn't want to go with the hours. He was working 14 hour days on Star Trek, the original series. And it like broke his family apart. Like he was like, I can't do this again. There's no way I'm not answering to Paramount or, or not Paramount, but it was, uh, I think it was originally CBS at the time. Yeah. He's like, I'm not doing this. I'm not answering a bunch of producers again. And this time they were like, no, 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 no. We can have you back. You're going to have reasonable hours and you have full control of the show. You should come and do it. Because originally then, the next generation was pitched to Fox. This is at a time when Fox was like edgy. They had like married with children and the Simpsons, or it was even like pre the Simpsons at that point. but. Fox was like, we're the we're the alternate brand other than being the alt right brand. The plot thickens. So CBS picked it up September 28th, 
1987, which was one week after my birthday. Star Trek The Next Generation debuted. And we had our introduction to these, as I mentioned, the second live-action series of Star Trek following Enterprise D. We have in our crew Patrick Stewart, who was only known pretty much as a traditional actor of stage at that time, very famous London performer as Captain Jean-Luc Picard. And we had Jonathan Frakes as his number one, Commander William Riker. Brent Spiner as the android data. LeVar Burton as the engineer who also is... So he's blind, right, Christy? I'm going to lean on you there. Yeah, he's... No, he's born fully blind, and that visor kind of connects to his, you know, brainwaves or whatever, and it helps him see, but it doesn't help him see the way we see. It helps him see, like, with other wavelengths of things that I don't mm-hmm. quite, mm. I, uh, you know, I'm not quite in that. I so, know LeVar yeah. Burton hated that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, I know like he always has a quote, like an actor acts with his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting because this was post roots, like 10 years later. So he didn't have, I mean, not a background. Like a lot of these guys did when they came in there. So LeVar Burton was kind of a, Maybe not a known commodity, but I think people recognize him like, oh, yeah, Roots. Well, he's doing Reading Rainbow, too, before Star Trek Next Generation, I would think. Because uh, Reading Rainbow is like 80s, isn't Next Generation yeah, 1983, you are correct. So he's the Reading Rainbow guy more than he's the Roots guy at this point, which is kind of, it almost makes sense in a weird way. Like, I feel like the guy who's, like, giving instruction, like, that's a very similar role like right. to, like, I don't know. It makes sense to me. It does. It's it, it's kind of the he, he. I mean, yeah, he heads up all of engineering. So I mean, he is that authority of the ship in a way. Mm-hmm. But there's something different. Uh, we'll we'll talk about that too. And uh, kind of his difference between like him and like Scotty, who came before him, because I feel like Scotty maybe wow. had a little more like. Of like, this is my part of the ship. If you come down here, this is my domain. Where I feel like Jordy always was sort of like, nope. Picard said we that, and we're gonna do that. Like, that's yeah. that. I met him my senior year of college. Lavar Burton. Yeah. Were you he like Donald to- Glover in Community? Like a bit. Yeah, I definitely. <laughs> like that was the first thing I asked him about because at the time this was like Community was still airing. I was like, are you gonna come back to Community? <laughs> He's like, uh, I don't know. He was very diplomatic, but I do have a sign. He wrote like a children's book, and I have a signed children's book of him. So it was really cool. That's oh my awesome. gosh! I love that. He's supposed to be um, him. Um, Lavar Burton and, and Brent Spiner are both supposed to be at C two E two this July. Ooh, where is that? At Chicago. Ooh. Well, all right then. I know what I'm doing this July. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, to round out the cast, then we have Marina Sirtis as Deanna Troy, who we talked about already, Betazoid. And we had a couple people who popped in and out, including Gase McFadden, who, as Dr. Beverly Crusher, didn't really become a mainstay until, what, like season three, really? I have the whole thing on that. We can do that after your segment. But <laughs> no, I mean, th- this is just supposed to kind of springboard us here, because I was going to talk about her son. 
who is Will Wheaton as Wesley Crusher, a very unpopular character. Which I feel so bad for because, like, you hear about Will Wheaton's personal life. Like, he did not have a good childhood when he was acting, so I feel bad people are like, oh, he's super annoying on that show. Yeah. You separate the, the art yeah. from the performer, right? Yeah. The sweaters didn't help. No. No. <laughs> no, they were... It was a little much. And uh, lastly was Denise Crosby as Tasha Yar, who went too soon in that show. I think it was, that was, yeah, it was, we'll get into that. But only it was on for about a season or and a half or something like that. And she didn't minutes. even get to the end of season one. She quit. Yeah. She thought her Hollywood career was going to take off. It was in Pet Cemetery, And then things kind of waned a little bit. Was she the wife in Pet Cemetery? Yes. Oh, okay. Yep. From what I've heard from her interviews, she was just kind of, I mean, they're just kind of day in, day out filming these episodes. And really, maybe she didn't think that her role really had much consequence or felt like she was really doing much because a lot of her lines were, yes, Captain, mm-hmm. right away, Captain. I like, you know, I, I, Captain, or, you know, and a lot of that. So it's easy to kind of, of course, it's insane because now all these years people still talk about it. Here we are. It's easy to kind of underestimate kind of your part of the team. Yeah. When you're kind of doing that day in, day out. So, And she was really unhappy. So she left. But then she ended up getting brought back anyway. Like Star Trek is kind of the gift that keeps on giving, I guess, <laughs> for these actors. Nobody stays dead in Star Trek. That's kind of been my <laughs> thing. Well, I just think it's pretty great. Like the OG movies, like I think in all of them, they're all like 50 and 60 in all these movies. And yeah. it's just funny to me. Right. That would never yeah. happen today. <laughs> no. No. Nobody's working overtime at that age, right? Oh, unless I forget, I didn't even mention him. Michael Dorn as Worf. MVP. Very important team member. <laughs> yes, and I love Orf, who also, I think, per- perfectly as a segue from that, took over Tasha Yar's role as the head of security. So, that is our overview of basically how Star Trek came to be. I mean, the, the seasons, we had seven total, ran from 1987 to 1994, but just as the show was coming to an end because it was getting too expensive. That's when we launched into the movies and we got four movies out of them. Star Trek Generations, Star Trek First Contact, uh-huh. Star Trek Insurrection. That's it. Thank you. And, and Nemesis. Star Trek Nemesis. <laughs> With Tom Hardy. <laughs> That's like Tom Hardy looks like Chris Evans before he gets the Captain America surgery. Yeah, <laughs> in that a movie, bit, right? <laughs> you merely had. God, I fell. I I fell asleep during Nemesis. Uh, that's the one I remember the least of when yeah, I watched him. Me too. Unfortunately, it's just it's too bad too because I I felt like I like the TNG crew a lot, but. The movies outside of like First Contact and maybe a little bit of Generations didn't really do them a lot of justice. The Borg one's the one everyone likes, right? That's yeah. the one that people go back to. That's First Contact, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Borgs are cool. That's in my notes. Yeah. Pesky the, Borg. I mean, the Borg is, I think, easily, as far as expanding the universe, was probably TNG's greatest contribution to the Star Trek canon. Would we agree with that? It's a good look. And it's a good concept. 
Well, and a lot of the alien races that and species that you see in now a lot of the newer iterations of it, like TNG really introduced a lot of those relationships. Mm-hmm. We really kind of had a, they really were kind of an experimental ground. Like the first, I don't know if either of you of, of any of the first two seasons, but you can tell that they're like really trying to find their footing and they tried to like recreate episodes of the original that just did not age well. And it was just, they were clearly, they were finding their feet. <laughs> yeah. Because right. I think it's like the very second episode itself is a remake of, an episode from the original series, correct? Yeah. Because that's yeah. the one where everyone, like, is really, really horny for each other, and they just, like, everyone's, like, in heat. Yeah. Everywhere. Everyone has, like, it's like a toxin, like, inhabits their body, I think. And it's like, yeah, they all kind of act crazy. And Data, it's like when you start to, like, see him kind of <laughs> act like he's like, I'm a man. <laughs> I couldn't imagine how bad Riker got if everyone was getting horny. Because that... <laughs> I think I just wrote in part of my French next to Riker, uh, colon, fucks. Um, <laughs> With that you beard, he fucks. Galactic Playboy. Yeah. Yeah. And the way he sits on a chair. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's my favorite part. Yeah. Do you know the reason he sits on a chair like that? Because he's got a huge. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, to show off that he's athletic. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know why, Tom? I'll let you say it. Oh well, gosh, I don't know. Oh, you don't? No, I guess it was supposed to be just a character choice, and then it became this really cumbersome choice. After <laughs> <laughs> no. seven years, <laughs> it's not a character choice. He had a a back problem. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Jonathan Frakes. So he couldn't really bend over and just sit down in a chair. So he had to kind of sit in the chairs by swinging his leg over. And it just became a character trait because it's based on his real pain in his real life. I thought he was just trying to be a space cowboy. I thought that was like a Han Solo style move for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, and he looks more roguish and like, I think he looks way better with the beard. I mean. Oh, yeah. And we can maybe talk about this as kind of really launched it here into our highlights. I mean, to go from the first couple of seasons, when Riker gets the beard, that's when everything starts to click, right? (laughs) (laughs) You have got it all together. Yeah. You have pre-beard TNG and you have (laughs) post-beard TNG. (laughs) But like it adds personality. I it always reminds me of an old improv thing that we talk about too, where it's like, have like one character feature that defines you when you come on stage. And I always think about that, but it's like, sometimes it's an accent. Sometimes it's just something that you're like doing with your body. Like you got a hunch or something, (laughs) but man, you get a beard that's just rugged (laughs) and fucking smooth as hell. Like that guy. It it was just perfect. He came back season two and you're like, Oh yeah, that's, that was the move. Yeah, <laughs> you That's get why you get why Troy goes into him. She's like, "Oh, c- Commander, <laughs> <laughs> what is it, Deanna? <laughs> you, you like you like the way my face looks." <laughs> <laughs> it, it's oh. wonderful. I mean, it's the characters that really make this show go right. It's also perfectly built to be like. 
a person with a certain personality is probably going to be geared towards a specific character and everyone's going to have like, oh, I'm a data guy or yeah. I'm a Riker. You know, like, I think that's kind of cool about it. Yeah. And everyone's really distinct. I think that was my favorite part of all. It was like, it wasn't like the the weekly plots diversified. It wasn't always about it wasn't always about Picard every week. Sometimes he'd be featured here and there, but then you'd see like data's day where you literally walk around a day, like, and you hear his thoughts and kind of how he processes things. And it's, it makes a lot of sense, but it's also puts our lives in a weird perspective. It's, and then you see like LaForge going on a date and totally bombing. (laughs) Yeah. And then and somehow Wesley Crusher's just like crushing it and like, yeah, you know. Yeah, he's getting young uh what is it, Ashley Judd? Like, yeah. he's like <laughs> what? Yeah, she yeah. plays a cameo later in the, the oh, season. But it, it is something about that, right? That and I, I wonder if maybe this is why TNG has so much staying power to the point where it had so many spin-offs and they even brought it back for this Picard series that came out recently is that the characters were so lovable. The cast had so much chemistry with one another that it just had like this, this fever pitch to it that every time you turn it on, you're like, all right, I can hang out with these guys for a little bit. Like y'all have your Ross and Rachel. I got <laughs> Worf and data. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like a fun night. Worf and data. <laughs> Like something real is happening with the Klingons right now. I really need to stay in touch. I need to stay in the loop. <laughs> like the card is really heavily involved in something happening politically. Like I, I need to stay in. I st- I need to stay in the know. <laughs> That's Will true. Worf have his pride back? Will he be accepted by the Klingons once and for all? Yeah. And that was something too. I mean, I like that every series, if we're even kind of talking about big scope, kind of takes a step further than what the original series had. Cause the original series is like, okay, Klingons are the villains, right? Like anytime Klingons come in, you know, shit's about to go down. Whereas like in this series, like, well, we saw in uh, movie six of with the original cast, like they made a peace treaty with the Klingons. So what's, what's the fallout from that? What is going to happen next? And, you get Worf on the Enterprise, and it's trying to incorporate his Klingon lifestyle in with a bunch of, I mean, they're kind of squares. So we go away, right? Well, it's like, and Worf was actually raised by humans on Earth. Mm. So he's full Klingon. Something happened to his parents, and he was adopted. Mm-hmm. So he had, like, parents that were trying to, you know raise a Klingon child and this is totally new territory for anybody. Um, But what was, you know, so that's kind of why Worf kind of comes across. So like, like such a square, that's why he does. Cause he has, he's just like, this is what I identify with. This is like what I have of my, you know, Klingon heritage. Like, so I have to stay true to it. Otherwise I'm not seen as Klingon cause I was raised by humans. Yeah. It becomes a real identity thing for him. Right. It's kind of ahead of its time in a way. It is. It's sort of, and I think he's not the only one too, within the whole cast is like all the characters sort of feel like each one's a fish out of water a little bit too. Right. Like you have 
a lot of people from different backgrounds. It's almost like they took what they liked with Spock being this Vulcan and this crew of humans. And we're like, we're going to add like five different Spocks into this group and see how they all get along. And yeah, I mean, Spock, Spock is great. Like I, I love Spock, but man, I don't know. Data, data is a, he's a jam. He's just, just a good, he's a good time. <laughs> I mean, let's make an Android and give him a desire to be human. Mm-hmm. What? I understand you saying you like data, but is he a good time? <laughs> he cracks me up. Data cracks me up. He well, he's definitely that friend who doesn't know he's funny, and then you laugh <laughs> at something they say, and then you're like, "Oh, I'm sorry. Am I offending you by laughing?" But mm-hmm. that was really funny. Yeah, yeah. He's like somebody's like, I don't know what I did to make everyone laugh, but I'm happy that you're happy. <laughs> <laughs> He kind of has this like startled look when people laugh at things he says. Yeah. That was a big brain moment for me when I like put together that he's the guy from Independence Day. Oh, yeah. Because like that scene in Independence Day is like seared in my brain. Like just like because he's so schlubby and the like alien and just the like drool, like all of it. So like Mm -hmm. when I heard he's data, I was like, oh, that's cool. Right. It's almost kind of surprising that Brent Spiner didn't have a bigger career outside of Star Trek where he's clearly the most like person you would not be able to pick out of a lineup necessarily if you saw him on the street, right? Like you're like, oh, is that data? Because he's got the contact lenses. He's got the makeup. He's got the, I, I think it's a wig. It's probably I'm, I'm positive that's a hairpiece. Like that's so consistent. Yeah. But then it's like, yeah, you see him. In Independence Day, yeah, he looks like this old hippie, and you're like, you, you'd never guess unless you look right at like his eyes, and you're like, oh shit, <laughs> that's him. Yeah. Does but. he still look pretty legit in the new stuff? Like, does with the makeup on, or can you see a little bit of aging? No, or? you can definitely see some age. Because uh, I kind of want to see what that looks like. You know, you know what I also know Brent Spiner from. He was a villain in a little movie called The Master of Disguise. Oh god. Where his big trait trademark is he laughs until he farts. <laughs> and it I'm sorry, but it's actually kind of funny. <laughs> like he does the evil laugh like <laughs> and then he just gets kind of like <laughs> See, it's a good bit. It's a good bit. Going back to our Wayne's World episode, this is why Dana Carvey is not like working regularly anymore. He made that. I'll stand by that movie. That movie's got stuff. I'm sure it does. <laughs> but to Fred's question, Christy, maybe you could help answer that one too. Uh, so thinking about Brent Spiner playing Data basically as is on the new Picard show. I mean, it, it's definitely showing a little bit. Wouldn't you agree that he does look a little more? And we're talking about like when he's like actually in the data makeup, not when he's playing the doctor oh. that invented him. Yeah, for sure. There's definitely a difference. I mean, God, how many years passed between what was the one I fell asleep to? <laughs> oh, Nemesis. <laughs> Nemesis between Nemesis and 2021 Picard. Yeah. Just so much time. I mean, they definitely did that, like, that CGI work on his face. And I right. think that's what reveals it the most for me. It's like, you can tell, and I understand why they did it. Like, Oh, they did, like, the, the Marvel thing? Perfectly. Yeah. Yeah, they did. Basically to smooth all the lines. Um, okay. Because I'm looking at a picture, and pictures kind of do that anyway. But I can also tell that this is, like, yeah, it looks a little nightmarish. 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, and honestly, his performance, still performing data is spot on. It's great, you know? But yeah. it's hard it's hard to balance that. Do you you cast someone to play a character who's never supposed to age. Right. Right. And then you try to bring them back like over a decade later, you know, it's it's just natural. That's just what's gonna happen. Yeah, but it you kind just of can't. also yeah. but then you kind of I don't know, you just kind of suspend your disbelief because I don't know. It's just happening anyway, so might as well mm-hmm. just sit and buckle in for the ride. They find ways to justify it, right? Like they had Q in that season two where they had him de-aged for like 10 seconds and he's like, oh, you got old. Well, I'll look old too. And it's like, okay, now we get John Delancey. Mm-hmm. Is, uh, it's like, now y'all just showing off. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure I reckon that guy's been in stuff. The Q guy. He's the guy that's kind of always messing with Picard. Yeah. Yeah, he looked pretty good. I saw like a clip of him recently. He he aged well. Yeah, I know. He's he looks like great. This. I'm not trying to like age shame any of those people. No. I just I just was like, oh, he looks kind of the same. Patrick yeah, Stewart like, just gets more wrinkled. Like that's all. <laughs> yeah, well, like I saw a picture. I was like, Patrick Stewart almost looks younger today than he did 20 years ago because <laughs> he is skinnier. His features are really nice and sharp. Yeah. It's just yeah. I I think really the thing is it's it's when they do all the CGI stuff is when it kind of makes me notice it more. Right. But, mm-hmm. but it's just kind of part of it, I guess. Everyone's yeah. really obsessed with that technology right now. Yeah. And it just, I'm glad that they made the choice to be like, no, we're not going to DHQ for that whole stretch. We're going to just age him up and have him be kind of a troll. And it worked perfect for that character. Uh, the other thing you might know him from was Breaking Bad. Yeah. He's the flight flight controller guy yeah i always thought that was crazy i remembered him as clancy brown which would have been cool but (laughs) i totally forgot he was on breaking bad yeah Mm -hmm. plays uh kristen ritter's dad who uh he's like doing the plane control after she dies oh shit that's that's a spoiler for you can spoil breaking bad okay it's been it's what the statute of limitations has passed i think (laughs) yeah I, i suppose but i still like to a lot of people explore it, especially because Better Call Saul is coming to an end and people might be watching Breaking Bad for the first time now. But oh. Yeah. Um, Look at you. You ruined it. No, I'm kidding. It's no, it's fine. It <laughs> Anyone listening to this podcast has seen Breaking Bad I all suppose, the way. I suppose. Potentially. <laughs> I'll have a warning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, warning. This Star Trek episode contains Breaking Bad spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> play the Breaking Bad opening theme. Walsh dies at this point. (laughs) (laughs) The other cameo that I I realized we didn't talk about, too, and especially with where some of the properties have gone, we can talk about Whoopi as uh, Guinan. (laughs) It's true. Yeah. Who is in way more stuff throughout this series than I think I ever remembered. Yeah, which I think I vaguely remember hearing her talk about it on the George Lucas talk show. Oh, and uh, you're going to say the view (laughs) on the view. Yeah. You know, I'm always checking in with my girls on the view (laughs) (laughs) that she like just really wanted to be in the show, but they never like quite gave her the character she wanted. It Mm -hmm. seemed like I think she should have just been like a regular on the ship because I love Whoopi. She really wanted to be there. Like every time she's there, she's putting in the work. Like, yeah, she's not like some random cameo or it's like, yep, I'm here. Look, it's me. Where no, she probably like, cost a lot to have on set. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's a huge, she was like one of the biggest movie stars at the time. And they, she wanted to be on Star Trek Next Generation. Like, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Well, and how yeah. many, how many different 
cameos and things that open up after she started showing up on TNG. They're like, oh, yeah, we'll get, I mean, you know, Ashley Judd was nobody at that time, but it's like, yeah, we'll get like promising young actors. We can get people who are going to end up doing bigger stuff. I know I'm missing somebody big, but. Young Kirsten Dunst is on that show. Oh, damn. Young Kirsten Dunst in season seven. Damn. It is crazy. Whoopi being on there, though, because she's fresh off a Oscar win. I don't know if she won or just got nominated for Ghosts. That was, I think she won for Ghosts. That was 90. For ghosts. So, again, that's another like kind of big bona fide right before. So, I think that's that's just something that wasn't done then that you see a lot more of now, which is a prestige actor, which at the time she was being on a TV show. Now, like, you can turn on the TV and, like, Kevin Costner's on a show, right? you know? But uh, back then, that's, like, kind of not a thing as much, especially, like, a fresh Oscar winner. Right. Yeah, and, I mean, I'm just looking at some of the other people that cameoed right now. They had Stephen Hawking on an episode, which is sort of like, okay, kind of knew what he was, but then we had in the movies, though, too, you have, like, Malcolm McDowell's the bad guy in Generations. You have... Oh, yeah. Chris Lloyd and the OG. Yeah. What? He's that might have been Search the for movie. Spock. He's he's the oh, bad is guy. Yeah. Third one. That was the one that everyone says bad and I liked. Because <laughs> Christopher Lloyd has like this warthog dog that like he pets. It's like this monstrous creature. <laughs> and, uh, and it's like a straight up the thing monster look. Like it looks like something from the thing. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. But then, yeah, then you have James Cromwell and First Contact, right? Ooh, hello. And succession. <laughs> Another succession guy. Man, everybody's in succession. There's the, who was the head of the prison from Shawshank Redemption? He's in an episode, too. Oh, really, uh, Bob Gunton. Yeah, he's a real, it's a really good episode. Yeah. Bob Gunton comes Brian? to play. Which uh, Bob Gunn, he's got an interesting role in Ghostbusters Afterlife. I won't say what, but Does he's he? in it. Really? <laughs> I still haven't seen that movie, and I'm not sure that I'm running to see it. Anymore. You don't need to run to see it, but I didn't have as much problem with it as other people. I'll watch it when I don't have to pay for it. I'll put it that way. I I'm think just... that's fair. Yeah. Uh, F. Murray Abraham was an insurrection. Ooh, I love some F. Murray. Conchu. <laughs> <laughs> Give me that mm, that mm, that beautiful face with that nose. I love it. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, a little-known actor by the name of Tom Hardy in Star Trek Nemesis. <laughs> and Ron Perlman, who I totally forgot about. <laughs> Which, like, he should have been in, like, five episodes as five different characters oh, on Star Trek Next yeah. Generation. Him and Clancy Brown should have both just been, like... <laughs> Anytime you need a big bruising looking dude, <laughs> just like, hello. <laughs> Clancy Brown had to have been on Star Trek at one point. Kelsey yeah. Grammer was on Star Trek at one point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining him as a Frasier type alien. He's <laughs> <laughs> just from a planet of Frasiers. <laughs> There's actually this whole, I think it was for, um, I think it was Golden Globes or Emmys or something, but there was this whole skit and it was a Voyager skit. And basically... You know, Kate Mulgrew is Janeway, and she's in her captain's chair, and this, you know, lights up on the stage. But the entire crew is the cast of Frasier. Oh, really? Mm, oh, so my gosh. Roz is the communications officer, and she's, like, flirting with whoever's trying to come in through comm. <laughs> <laughs> and David Hyde Pierce is just 
I think he's security officer, but he's so neurotic that nothing is working out. And it's just total chaos. And then, of course, Kelsey Grammer comes in in a huge, like, whole Klingon getup. It's actually really funny. I'll, I'll send I will it be watching it. Out. Yeah, please put that in the chat. Yeah, Because I am a big Frasier fanatic. It's a really fun skit. I couldn't believe I found it. You could just turn this into a Frasier episode. <laughs> I would love to do a Fraser episode. We always do that. We'll, we'll put it in the docket. I'll mark it to listen. I'm very excited. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely just funny to think how many people have been on the show, have been in there over the years. Because, I mean, that's really one of the things that I think kind of makes Star Trek. It's a special thing when you know that people are such big fans that they just want to play one part one week on it, mm-hmm. right? Like, they want to come in do their character, they have their little story, and then they're good. But, I mean, without the stories themselves, the show also doesn't work. And, you know, we were talking about it before, Christy, about how, like, the early episodes, they kind of didn't find their footing. But when they found their footing, the episodes became some of, like, the best stuff you'll see on TV. I don't know. I mean, what were some of, like, your favorite episodes of the series? I know we, we talked about a few, but I just wanted to see if you had other ones that you wanted to offer Oh, favorite ones. Um, or maybe just favorite storylines altogether, if it's a running thing. Oh, my gosh, I have so many. Okay, well, I'll start with one. It's the ancient West that I was referring to earlier. Sure. You know, Worf is trying to avoid having a day off because it means that he has to spend time with his son, God forbid, and he's, like, <laughs> so terrified of being a father. And his son, Alexander, is like, Dad, you promised we'd go to the holodeck and play cowboys. Like, you promised. And so, like, Warp, like, begrudgingly goes. And, like, Alexander makes him put on the hat. And, like, he kind of <laughs> begrudgingly goes through, like, this whole thing. And they have this whole Wild West set. And Troy comes on. And she's like, well, Alexander invited me. I want to be the mysterious stranger. So they kind of, like, pick their parts. <laughs> and Warp is, like, the sheriff. Meanwhile, there's, you know, uh, Jordy and Data are doing some sort of experiment, which somehow makes all the other characters in the scenario, in the holodeck, all versions of Data. Oh, man. So it, like, creates this whole hijinks, and then Worf ends up having, like, the time of his life. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, he and his son, like, have this actual bonding moment, and it's kind of wonderful. And yeah. you see this, you see Worf kind of embracing that whimsical side of himself mm-hmm. and having this actual genuine time with this son. And that's, that's, it like has this really big core of gooey, mushy, sentimental heart stuff. Aww. And it's just kind of in this kind of goofy sci fi package sometimes. Worf has a big heart. That he really does. Heart. He really does. Another one is Brothers. When oh. Data and Lore face off again and they actually meet their father. Oh, and that and was pretty rad. Lore is Data's twin brother, right? According to the story. So Lore was actually made before Data, but Lore went rogue. They mm. were just kind of, I'll say that Lore kind of had the mad scientist programmed into him, kind of like, mm. you know. And he basically destroyed, like, the colony that they originated from. But when Starfleet came to investigate, they only found data. They only found the pieces of data. So they reassembled data and 
that's how data was found. Man, I do kind of remember that one, but so they encounter each other later and they have this really funny sibling rivalry even though data doesn't have there are moments when you don't think data has emotions and then you see that he actually has a bit of a complex that his he has an older brother who was made first Mm -hmm. and laura like tricked him and said well everyone thought i was too perfect so that's why they had to disassemble me (laughs) 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 so it's a little crazy but i i still enjoy it yeah i think that is one of the most fun when you do get to see brent spiner kind of lean into doing other things than other than typical data because that's when he really gets to shine a little bit i mean I'll, i'll throw something out there i think more than anybody else i think data is like the heartbeat of star trek like all the, the the best stories and everything seem to revolve around him or involve him in some way. Well, he's like the Abed of right? Star Trek, I yeah. feel. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Right? Like, he's sort of like somebody who doesn't quite fit in the same way that everyone else does, but yet it's always about, like, his search for, like, his humanity, right? And it's always, every story can involve that. There's even one of the episodes that we did for our research that's so called The Measure of a Man, and it's a great episode where like Starfleet wants to recoup data because they're like, well, he's property of Starfleet. He's not human. And the whole thing is that like, it's Picard like defending data in court and like, like he's actually a person. He's his own thing. And it's just a, it's a pretty wonderful episode that kind of just questions like, okay, what, what, what constitutes a person, a thinking individual in general? It's an incredible episode. Like, yeah, that sounds good. What kind of blows my mind about, like, like I've watched that episode maybe too many times, but (laughs) there was this one time I was watching it again, and it hit me. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, you think that this whole episode is about data and whether or not he should be considered, like, a citizen, like a human. Mm -hmm. But really, this, I kind of found that the episode was so much more about Picard and how much he, like, had this need to prove this. Do you think he's a by the book guy until this episode? And yeah. then he you see him really bend things to his will. He's like really upset. And he is really driven by emotion. Yeah. It's just fascinating to see both sides of them that way. Yeah. I really like that uh Picard is a history buff. Yes. Cause I you know, I'm a history major yeah. and I love how he'll like just pull from history that is his you know, our history. And like, just like, it's just like this, you know, and like make like a really astute metaphor about what's going on. Compare it to like something in ancient Rome. <laughs> right. Well, it adds so much to like the episodes where he's on the holodeck, right? And he does go into like a pastime, you know, whether it's like Sherlock Holmes or something where it's like he kind of knows the air like, oh, yes, this was the 30s and New York. <laughs> well, that was like a mystery novel that he did or something. Yeah. That he turned into a holodeck scenario. Right. That sounds good. He has so much fun with it because it's like he knows the history. I think that that's when, you know, I'll position that like that's when the show is at its best. And I think, Chris, you just nailed it with that episode, Measure of a Man. On the surface, you're like, here is a commentary about humanity in general like this is our big idea for this episode like what makes a person what makes consciousness you know in regards to ai but then there's also so much in that episode even down to Riker too of like having to be the prosecutor for that and it's like there's so many 
character building moments for Picard and everybody else in that, that you're like, oh shit, I learned more about these characters. And also they really inspected something about like our world and something that we're going to probably be encountering. And we are encountering right now, right. Of like, as we're developing AI further and further. And that was the, really the big question of that episode. One of my favorite moments was when um, Picard said, like, you treat things this way and your, your, your way to validate that is saying that they're not sentient. Mm-hmm. It's like, what other excuses are you going to come up with to treat people or quote unquote things the way that you want to treat them? Like, you know, I, how we have to measure ourselves is how we treat anything because we don't know how they feel. We don't know if they feel. What if they do? And this whole time we are like, if you're creating a whole bunch of datas to be all around the world, you got to ask yourself, like, why? Because that in itself, the philosophy behind that is setting a precedent for how they would be treated. Yeah. And what humanity really values. Right. Which is something that the Picard show tries to explore a little bit. I, wow. I, think, I think they they have a nugget of a good idea, but it's such a great like counterpoint for what we're even talking about here of why TNG works so well. And like Picard is like, well, <laughs> we like this idea, but then you're just kind of using, you're forgetting about all the characters that made it go. And that's really the secret sauce as we're kind of talking about like Picard is a history buff. And therefore it makes sense that he would want to do these hollow deck scenarios, or it makes sense that he has things to pull from when he's doing an, a court case, you know, for his friend. Or it makes sense that he's actually at heart, such a rebel. Yeah. Like he's, he's not a history buff to be by the book. He's much more of a rebel than say mm-hmm. like, like everyone thinks, and especially I think the, um, the Chris Pine variation kind of leans into this idea that Kirk was like this, this rogue, this kind of, uh, Casanova of space, <laughs> but really like, Shatner's Kirk is really studious and he's does a little bit of that cowboy diplomacy here and there, but only really when he's like trapped, but yeah. Another good chair sitter too. Yeah. <laughs> good chair sitter. Great chair sitter. Like Excellent. probably the best, right? Yeah. I think that's what dis- phenomenal. <laughs> disappointing about generations though, too, is that you had these two big personalities with Picard and Kirk. It together finally on screen. You're like, oh, here we get these two great captains. What can we do? All right, you stop, fucking Alex from Clockwork Orange, and I'll go <laughs> <laughs> shut down the satellite. Like it's an action sequence. Like they tried what? too hard to like b- explain bringing them together instead of just like getting them together and just yeah. letting the movie be. It's an hour and a half setup to a climax that's very anticlimactic. Yes, exactly. Yeah. How do they get together? Isn't it like Picard wishes that nobody knew he was Picard, but the spell gets up mixed up. And then uh, different people from different Star Trek start coming into the picture. And then then Alfred Molino walks out. He's like, (laughs) are you Captain James T. Kirk? (laughs) (laughs) Can't Spider-Man come out to play? 
Back to formula. Back to formula. Well, now I want to see that movie. <laughs> no way home. I would want to see that. Oh, I've seen No Way Home. I want to see No Way Home. <laughs> it would be kind of fun to do a multiverse. I mean, we a and, Star Trek multiverse. <laughs> but we did kind of get that at the very end of Star Trek: The Next Generation, where it's like the three Picards kind of working in tandem in these three different timelines a little bit, a little more Endgame, but kind of get you know you get the story about you have past picard you have you know present day picard and then future picard and it really it shows like okay you know does your actions and now affect who you are in the future but also it's a great character study of like well is picard always stubborn to a fault and he really is a rebel in his later age even in that series that man it set up so much promise for picard and i just feel like it hasn't quite fulfilled that all I know about Picard is doesn't he have a vineyard? He does. He sure does. He does in the the end of TNG though too. He Ooh. shows him old man working on his vineyard. Jordy comes up with new eyes. It's like, look, Cap Picard got new <laughs> eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Lieutenant Diane's got new likes. <laughs> That's what I heard for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of impressions, more than I thought. I would have liked if Forrest Gump made it into a Star Trek episode. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I just was on the Enterprise. Seek out strange new lives and new civilizations. <laughs> I was about that. Those look like comfortable shoes. <laughs> That's all I've got. I'm sorry. I liked it. That's good. It all works. It's a good episode, though. At the I did like the finale that it throws right back to the start, even though so much happens in between. You're like, oh, we're done with Q and Q shows up again. And it's like, and it really showed even Q's progression as a character too. And I mean, Q also, I don't feel like it's enough credit on the series. It's just a, a very fun character, very fun foil. He's kind of like, uh, <laughs> I feel like Q is that friend is trying to be that friend for Picard is like, Guy, hey guy, you need to pause and reflect on your behavior. <laughs> you need to reflect on your past. There are things from your past that you are not addressing. Past trauma, baby, you have to address it. <laughs> you have to take care of yourself. You have to love yourself. Like kind of in the harsher dialogue. <laughs> The little bit I saw, he just seems like the kind of guy who will, like, if you're holding a beer and he's holding a beer, he'll, like, walk up and, like, clang the top of it. And he's like, you got to drink it now. Yeah, yeah, he would do that, too. That's for sure. You <laughs> just got crowned, Sean Luke. Picard, you go to that therapy session and drink the beer. <laughs> <laughs> Work on yourself, but also be better. Just constantly challenging. Yeah, he is. He's kind of like a naggy mom in a way. What <laughs> past your shame, Picard? Yes. Look at you. You're embarrassing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. I mean, there's so many good stories, though, throughout the series. I do want to talk a little bit about the Borg a little bit more, because not only were they a great species, they developed uh, into some of the better stories into the series. Not only the movie, which we're talking about First Contact, but also best of both worlds where we see Picard get abducted 
And it, it reminded you, even outside of like these big stories of like, oh, what makes a person? Or, oh, are we divided politically in our in our races and, you know, in our nations to like, yeah, actually, uh, we could do some action here, too. That's pretty cool of like <laughs> the stakes are higher than high. Picard has been abducted. How is the rest of the crew going to get him out? And you see Han Solo Riker come in and <laughs> take the reins. <laughs> I'm gonna need two chairs. <laughs> yeah, I watched. Um, there was like I was going through clips, and there was a trailer for a like DVD or Blu-ray release of that, and they made that thing look like the biggest action blockbuster. Like yeah. they, and when I watched it, it's a good two episodes, but it's still like just Star Trek, where there's a little bit of action, but it's mostly like kind of doing its thing. Right, but you should really watch this trailer because it's like the best series of the world. <laughs> like one of those, like it was like the independence day trailer or something. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Mr. Wharf fire. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we could sit down and do a riff tracks of like any of these. <laughs> Don't tempt us. That'll be our Patreon content. One of these days. <laughs> Ooh, Patreon is just riff tracks. I like it. <laughs> Oh, we got to change it over. It's like Fran tracks or something. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, it's it's something. What was your take on that two part episode? What's your take of the two part episodes in general? Do they work for you? Or are they too long, Christy? I well, it's interesting to. It's a good question because my experience of watching them, I was binging it, mm-hmm. so I didn't have to wait. But say, best of both worlds, Picard gets kidnapped and turned into a Borg, and that's when that season ends, and you have to wait an entire summer for part two. Wow. Like, I did. I thought it was just a cliffhanger from episode to episode. I didn't know it was a season cliffhanger. Yeah, yeah it was a season cliffhanger. Um, that that Mr. War fire, that was the last line, and then that's all you see, and it cuts, and then you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so that's like super, super intense stuff. There was, a, there was another two-parter that I didn't love as much. It was like Time's Arrow. Yeah. When they're like back 500 years and they, oh my God, and they have that author. He, but he was dressed up as Einstein. And it Ooh, I like know. Spirit. Mark Twain, right? Coleman's. Yeah, but it's Mark Twain. Yeah. Um, but it was Mark Spoiler Twain. Spoiler alert. Sam Clements is Mark Twain. I said, <laughs> I said Mark Clements. Mark <laughs> Clements. <laughs> The guy who does my taxes? <laughs> Tim Clements or Mark Twain. But they like encounter Mark Twain and like he sounds oh my gosh, he just I don't know what voice he's using, but he sounds like a parrot. And it's I was like, I don't know why they made this a two-parter. I don't know what's going on. And what's mm-hmm. interesting, like, because it also had to do with like the Guinan and Picard relationship, which they established they've like they're like BFFs forever and always have been and always will be. But then you don't yeah. really see like when they really met. You don't really see that that's like a it's like a relationship you just kind of accept. Yeah. But that's my tangent on that. I do enjoy sometimes though when they do skip the little origin story where they're just like, nope, these people are friends. You know, they're, they're good for each other. We're family. You dig. <laughs> We're family. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I get in on it. Rita Marino. You're going to be my mom. <laughs> it's a true story. Uh, 
But I do appreciate those moments, though, where it does. I mean, we do see the the Riker and Picard relationship progress, but it is nice to have, like, here's somebody he's kind of just known. Because I think I always appreciate the Guinan and Picard moments a little bit more throughout the series than, you know, even like in the movies when in, in Generations, he sees her in like the Nexus and he's like, are you actually here? And she's like, no, but I'm just an echo of the person, you know, and we kind of like know each other because it's got that Dr. Manhattan thing in uh, The Watchmen where it's like she's always kind of known him because she hears those echoes of their of his like future self. So but I do also see your point with that episode arc specifically. But to go back to two-parters, I think they're fun. I thought mm-hmm. it was a fun way to do cliffhangers. I almost I almost wish I had experienced it that way. But, you know, in our day and age, the two-parters are just kind of like, okay, I guess I'll just go to the next one, which I <laughs> yeah. would have done anyway, even if it was just a one-parter. So, you know. Yeah. Just to show, like, the watch is just different. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think some of the uh, the things that really made me think a lot when as I was kind of doing my research here too about the way that they do episode structure is like the two parters you know they try to tell a big story and it feels like you kind of get lost in it because it just becomes a really long Star Trek episode that you do really appreciate the one-offs like you guys were talking about too with like you know he's doing like Picard's on the holodeck or Worf is out there like bonding with his son and I really I didn't remember this episode the inner light and man, that is just a, <laughs> a total trip. So for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's this idea of like they encounter like the satellite out in space and like this beam hits Picard and he wakes up in like an alien body and he's like, he remembers that he's Picard, but he's clearly somebody else. And what, like, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, it's like what, 40 years passes. He has like a family as this guy and he like sees like the downfall. There's like a commentary in there about like global warming on the planet. Yep. Yeah. He he's like watching. He had to like get used to having this new life, and he finally kind of accepts it and adapts and watches kind of the world disintegrate a little bit. Yeah. And everyone's afraid of what's going to happen to their this life that they created for themselves on this planet that's clearly no longer meant to be inhabited. Yeah. All to to have him wake up and realize he has been living out a memory of somebody else in what felt like an entire real lifetime for him was 30 minutes of reality. <laughs> and it's just like this thing that he always has to carry with him. It's just an incredible retrospect on like, what would that be like to have lived an entire another life and realize, oh, that was just meaningless in the whole thing but you get to know this whole other thing like it's like a dream almost Mm -hmm. and especially if you're the only person who experienced it like it's it's like a weird wizard of oz Mm -hmm. everyone's like oh dorothy you just hit your head she's like -uh." (laughs) (laughs) nah. no i didn't you were there you were there you were there it is like wizard of oz though right because she has what like a how long is Dorothy in Oz for? What are we what are we estimating on that that little trip? Like know. in Oz years? Yeah, <laughs> yeah Oz I'd say, years. I'd say oh, uh, I'd say at least three days, maybe. I don't know. Man, it's a lot of it's a lot of walking in heels, and she did not pack well for that. <laughs> no, I'm just gonna throw out 
that uh, Cursed Films. Check that out on Shudder, and they cover The Wizard of Oz, and it's really awesome and really intense. If you don't know all the dark stories behind The Wizard of Oz, it's worth the whatever five ninety nine rental to watch all of Cursed Films. It's one of my favorite documentary series. It's on Shudder? It's on Shudder, so like maybe burn a trial if you haven't, but they go through all sorts of movies, especially like horror movies like Rosemary's Baby. Uh, I'm trying to think, just all those like kind of 70s horror movies, and they all have like these dark stories, like Poltergeist, which we all know has a lot of kind of like a background of a dark history with, you know, the main girl dying and some other cast members dying and... So it kind of explores like real life dark stuff and it ties it into the themes of the movie sometimes. I did skip the Cannibal Holocaust one after about an hour of it. Because yeah. that was a movie I never was interested in watching. I was like, well, I'll watch this behind. And I was like, gross. Yeah. No thanks. <laughs> Does Nosferatu come up by chance? No. Did that have a tortured? I guess I know the Mac, the Shrek guy was kind of a lot. That's who played him? Max, Max Shrek. Shrek. Yep. Yeah. Not the ogre. <laughs> No. <laughs> oh, you know what? No, they did a movie about it with Willem yeah. Dafoe. Never mind. Yeah, that movie, The Shadow of the Vampire. I've never seen that, but I've been always curious because it's Dafoe and someone else. That's your jam. It's like a two-hander. That's you'll, my jam. Oh yeah, you'll like that. Do you know? Do you remember who? Who? It's him and someone else. I'm trying oh. to remember. I'm going to fill time until you look it up. You better get that Wi-Fi going. I can always cut the stuff. It's John Malkovich, which makes it even fucking crazier. You need to act. (laughs) That's the best Malkovich you're getting. He is John Malkovich, another person who probably could have been in Star Trek. I feels like they would have had to pitch him on something. Oh, for sure. Just to have that big personality, but then they're like, "Hey, you're one and done. We don't ever yes, want you back." <laughs> Speaking of Spider Man, I heard Malkovich was the original choice for Green Goblin. I think. No way. Well, yeah, pretty sure that was Sam Raimi's choice. That would have been a wholly different movie. Mm-hmm. Wow. That, yeah, it's a different movie. I just don't think. Yeah, I think Willem Dafoe kind of got it. Yeah. I think he did. I mean, with no way home, the man's handsome, but he looks like a goblin. Sorry, I know. Goblin, that smile, boy. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Eyes just bug out. So, yeah. Is there anything else big that you guys feel like is worth mentioning in like the highlights here before we kind of move into our what they could have or would have or should have done? I think I'm ready for that next phase, honestly. I am too. Make it so. Make it so. Engage. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, that's what I would want to hear Sean Connery do. Make it so. so. There is a there is a a different multiverse. He would ravish Crusher. Anyway, go on. Sorry. Oh yeah. yeah. Where he's a good captain. He'd be kicking both legs over that chair. (laughs) God. Give me a martini, sweet toots. Chicken, oh, <laughs> <can> not starred. <laughs> so on coulda, woulda, shoulda. So we offer alternatives to things in the franchise we felt that they could have done to make it better or things that maybe we would have liked to have seen or maybe the things that they should have been doing to start with. So I guess what are some things that you guys would have liked to see from TNG in general? 
I know they got into it a little bit. I want more, um, as much as I can get, horror episodes where they get a little dark. Uh, I do know there's, uh, yeah, there's episodes that do get a little dark, but I that's that's my jam. When the show gets a little scary, and it's not usually a scary show, I love mm-hmm. that. I'm trying to even think, Christy, I'll lean on you for this. Are there really any, like, legit horror episodes or horror themed of tng horror themed no i think it kind of wanted to be on the family friendly side mm-hmm. so i don't think like horror film wise because I, I agree especially like <laughs> strange new worlds indeed lots of opportunity there yeah there was a weird episode where you know jordy was on a mission like before he was on the enterprise and the people, the crew he was with on this specific mission started to develop strange symptoms and disappear. And so it became like this crazy mystery and really like Jordy almost entirely, we almost lose him entirely. And it's kind of scary because you're like, you're like, oh my, is this how we lose Jordy? Like there are moments like that where they really kind of toe that line. Mm -hmm. But I think they could do that more. For I sure. think they could have. Yeah. They definitely dip a toe into it in Discovery, but never all the way in. Yeah. And it's it's something that I think they could even try to do more with the Borg. When you think about it, that's they're they're a scary entity. Like when the Borg shows up, you kind of your your butthole tightens a little. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. Borg are like the zombie apocalypse, really. Borg yeah. are just sci-fi zombie apocalypse. It's like right. they're almost on you they're almost unstoppable. Like you could maybe handle one, but they come in droves. They and those... they consume. They consume everything in their path. It's terrifying. Yeah. Or they really those... just they're just oh, sorry, go ahead. humans. What's <laughs> on really their arm? Human. Oh, it's like uh can opener yeah like a can opener yeah they got they got a swiss army knife in there it's like what a scanner like it's like like a like a laser like tool it kind of does do a lot of different things though like i think it like opens like like locks on computers and stuff and yeah it like helps them like evaluate an environment it kind of like uh it's like the eye of the terminator right where it's like scanning the environment and it tells them it can kind of like do a couple different things that's what I'm thinking of. Mm-hmm. They have like those the, too. Yeah. Well, they do. They have like the little like sensors on their eyes. Mm-hmm. Like you have yeah. it on seven of nine, right? Like she's got like that, that little like attachment that she can't get rid of. They're like those little, there's like those mishmash of toys in Sid's backyard from Toy Story. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> like the baby doll head on the side. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's what I think of when it comes to the Borg. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, they're kind of like uh, they're kind of like a parasite, right? Like they sort of like take over and then they consume everything. They like, yeah, yeah. Kind of makes me think of like Agent Smith in the Matrix. That's that's what I'm thinking of. Like it's like once they gets you, it's mm-hmm. like you're part of him now. Like right, like he's he's the collective. Like me, 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 and then I'm then I'm Jonathan Groff. <laughs> <laughs> That was just, uh, it just wasn't the same. You know, there was like seven years of all of this back and forth between Picard and Crusher. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of like, 
maybe that would have been tough to do with their week-to-week formula. But if they could have leaned one way or the other on that, that would have been cool. You wanted them to have their Sam and Diane season where they're together <laughs> and just pulling hijinks and duking it out. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I'm curious about how that would have actually turned out because they were actually mature adults. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Sam and Diane who are not. And they're like, right. you know, especially because like Picard really struggles with vulnerability and Crusher is entirely empathetic and but is also really kind of protective of her own self she really gives and gives and gives before really doing anything for herself i don't know i don't know how it would have turned out but i feel like they kind of teased it so many times that it was just kind of like okay like shit or get off the pot really come on (laughs) right it's kind of like yeah like if you were kind of back and forth with someone like that for seven years seven seven like this is kind of like cool well something happens or it doesn't right but yeah. nothing, nothing. But it's kind of like, okay, guys. Okay. And then the movies come along and they still don't address it. Address it. In fact, they kind of <laughs> sideline Crusher entirely. Yeah. But yeah, I, was just I, had, like, I didn't have many notes for her because of that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Like they, they totally sideline her. They try to make her blonde during first contact. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> but, <laughs> like, she's like famously a redhead. Why are you doing that? Right. Yeah, there's not a lot of place for romance, though, in the Star Trek universe, I think, in general. Like, yeah, the movies tried to do a little more with that. We got some with Troy and Riker and kind of like her like weird traditions. That's like, oh, you have to like be a part of this. But then the weirdest thing, and I had to address this here too: the end of the TNG run, Troy is with Worf. (laughs) And. And I was like, what? Wait a minute. This is the last episode of the series. But I guess at the very end, when they're playing poker, it's very high school. She sits down next to Riker. And she's like, <laughs> I did not understand that whole thing. Like, I think I don't know what they were trying to do. Yeah. But like. Troy, Troy and Worf could have made sense, honestly, if they gave that a little more time. Yeah. Um. Seemed like that was a late development that they never got to see through or that they were like, we'll see through this in the next season. And they're like, uh, we're not doing another season. And then we're going to mm-hmm. scrap this for the movies. Yeah. I also think that they rushed in, in generations. I think they rushed the emotional chip thing for data. Yeah. I think they, oh, definitely. they teased it for years and years and years. And then they rushed it. Yep. Um, so maybe that worked into the season over like a couple of episodes, maybe a two-parter would have been a little better. Yeah. Yeah. But like, honestly, oh, that actually makes me think of an episode where Data has like a girlfriend for one episode. Did either of you see that? Nope. I don't remember that one. It's called In Theory. Hmm. And it's Mm -hmm. like basically one of his, one of his co-workers like gets this crush on him and like so data's like well okay i guess <laughs> <laughs> and like slowly through like he's like asking everyone for advice and everyone's relationship advice is so telling it's incredible mm. like riker's like <laughs> wharf is like 
this is how you respond mm-hmm. when a, when a woman wants to mate with you. She, you must show your ferocity. You must take it. You must <laughs> take charge. And then there's Riker who's like, "Go for it, man. Go for it. <laughs> get it. Get it." And then Picard, Picard's just like, "Please don't ask me. Please don't ask me. Please don't ask me." Data, I don't have the answers for you. <laughs> <laughs> Mage is, that your, is that your Connery Picard? <laughs> it's yeah, it's kind of like the the mix between. You have to like yeah, to like tone down Connery to like yeah. an English way. And with with Stewart, it's like there's a strain to it, like the uh, kind of like you don't honestly like. <laughs> oh, shut up, Wesley! <laughs> shut up, Wesley! <laughs> oh, Gray, hot! I can't do it because my voice is too hot. Oh, Gray, hot. <laughs> But I think, like, it seems like they could have benefited because everyone wants more, like, stories from the perspectives of the different members. They need, like, kind of what Disney Plus is doing, where they have, like, a Hawkeye show. They need, like, you know, the dating log with Riker, where he's just talking about different dates he went on and different, you know, you know people he's been with. Yeah. Blah, blah, or, blah. Deanna looks pretty tonight. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like a wharf sitcom, you know? Because it's funny. I had that written down, and you were talking about, like, how this relationship he had with his son. Like, I would love just, like, him going home to his family. Like, eight simple rules of dating my Klingon daughter. <laughs> or, and, or it's just Frasier, but Worf. <laughs> I like I that, too. It. But you would just have to get David Hyde Pierce to be his brother. Like I would just want that. Be basically like that Paul Rudd show where he's uh, playing like clones. You're not leaving the house showing that much forehead. <laughs> My God. You're going out with those ridges? That'd be amazing. They're they're really it kind of feels like maybe they were playing with that idea when they came up with Picard. It almost kind of felt like now that we're talking about it, like maybe you shouldn't have done a Picard solo. But done like, okay, here's the continuing adventures of Riker. But everybody would want to see Picard, right? They're like, mm-hmm. no. I it's the it's the double-edged sword, because Patrick Stewart's the the hands down best actor on the show. But also it's like we know the most about Picard's character already through the movies and through the show. And uh, and we get a lot of Patrick Stewart. Not that I not that I'm ever full up. I'll always take more. I always got room on my plate for Patrick. But I feel like the other people are the ones who need TV shows. Right. Michael Dorn needs a TV show more than Patrick Stewart does. Yeah, for sure. Agreed. Missed opportunity there. Could have used more than like 15 minutes of Patrick Stewart in that new Doctor Strange. He just was here. And then. Honestly, I was really bummed. I was really like excited. We really do need to put a spoiler warning at the top to let people know that we're just dropping Dr. Strange. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, if they don't know Patrick Stewart's in that movie, they they show him in like the previews now. Like, yeah, there you go. Anyway. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah. Other things that we'd want to throw into coulda, woulda, shoulda, like, is there a room for a reboot universe? Kind of like what they did with the Chris Pine Star Trek. A TNG reboot. Mm. Would you do that, or do you just do the spinoff shows like we're getting right now? Oh, gosh, we could. I don't know what the heck they'd do with it. They're already doing that with Lord of the Rings, aren't they? 
They're doing that with everything right now. But at least Lord of the Rings, I think, is all new cast or, or all new characters, I should say. Yeah, oh. they're doing they're doing the Game of Thrones thing. They're going like a thousand years or something in the past. Oh, I think that's what I'm thinking characters. of. I don't know. That's mm. that's tough. Like they could, but I honestly, I mean, I'm a sucker. I would just want to see everybody back together again. Um, yeah. And maybe not just like doing the same old shtick, really, but like we've changed over the years. But like this is our like, but we were a team. Let's like reunite and kick some ass. Yeah. Mm. Well, here, here's my pitch. And I, I actually liked the first season of Picard with some of the new people. Let's just do the Picard show with the, the actual cast of TNG, right? Like, what what are we doing? Like, mm-hmm. I, I, and I say that again, like I said, the characters, I like some of the new characters. I love that they bring in seven of nine because I think she's interesting too. It's like a former Borg, but I, I'm at the same time, like, I want to see Picard you know, shoot the shit with Riker and, you know, Troy and Crusher again. Yeah. And mm-hmm. see you with what happened with him and Beverly. Cause it's like, okay. You don't want them just one at a time, doling it out slow. That's the vibe I get from just seeing like TV spots or something. Like they'll give you like a little bit of Riker, but that's it. You're not yeah. seeing the full team. And I think that's part of the pleasure, right? Is seeing, a well-oiled machinery, you know, kind of go together. Yeah. I mean, that's why we're sitting yeah. here talking about the next generation, right. not Picard, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I think that's, I think there's some opportunity there and kind of see how everyone else changed over the years too. You just never yeah. know. I have like a super broader coulda, woulda, shoulda. Did you guys want that, that Tarantino movie? What Tarantino? Cause there was, there was a talk that he was going to make a one-off Star Trek movie. And I guess it was going to be like the pine cast, which I didn't like. I wanted like an all new character, like very isolated story within the Star Trek universe. But I just want to know what you guys thought about, even though that's not going to happen. I don't think now. I think that would have been awesome or really terrible. Yeah. I don't think you have a, but in between could have been one or the other, but I would have gone to see it. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. But Oh my gosh. Wait. So it would have been with entirely new characters. No, I think they were talking about, it was going to be the Chris Pine, Zachary Quinto. I was oh, saying, right. I wish it was just, I want just some, like they have that show lower decks now. Like yeah. I just want like two dudes in the lower deck and like the Gilder. What's the, the what's that Shakespeare thing? The Gilderstein and the Rosencrantz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I kind of want that of the Star Trek world written by Tarantino. Sure. That would be fun. That would be really fun. And why I will say though, I would like to see Chris Pine with Quentin Tarantino's dialogue. Like, because I feel like Pine is a guy who just based on the things that he's done so far, he feels like he's long for a Tarantino movie where he blows you out of the water. Like he had that in him. Like he would have killed that Leo part in oh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. I think he would have been really good. And I like Leo in that. But man, him but, doing like the bad cowboy thing. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. I'd love like Chris Pine. And like, I know originally it was supposed to be Tom Cruise as Brad Pitt. And oh. that would have been super. That's the one I really want to see. Cause I think Cruise would have been uh, interesting in that. A lot of sliding doors with Tom Cruise. We'll For come sure. Back. We'll come back. To we'll that. get back to that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I know Wesley Crusher isn't really super popular, but they did leave with kind of this huge cliffhanger a bit for him. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes off with 
And slight spoiler, they do address it a bit in Picard season two, a bit, not enough in my opinion. Um, the travelers. So Wesley basically goes off with the travelers and then like, you don't hear of him like ever again, basically. And I'm kind of like, wait a minute, that could also be, that would actually be kind of a cool series. Like, like a Will Wheaton reclamation project, like him now. I think I'd like that. <laughs> I, I would you be could in. see kind of like like a, a young human kid being kind of brought into this species that they that call themselves the Travelers because he has like all of this massive brain power that he doesn't know how to use, so he uses it to travel the universe. Like what? Mm. Like there, there's there's potential there. Mm-hmm. But that's the missed opportunity. That's the type of projects that I feel like if they take a chance on that. Yeah. Like that's a big swing that could not hit. But if you do hit, like that could be like, here, we're turning this character from the least popular. Like you do like a Hawkeye thing with him, right? Like the whole joke in there is like, Oh, Hawkeye's the, the square part of the Avengers, right? He's the, he's the least memorable, but he has the best mini series, but yeah, <laughs> he might. I, I'm upset. I guess WandaVision is the tough competitor. I'll, I'm not talking anymore, Doctor Strange. Because I feel like you can't talk. <laughs> You're not allowed. Doctor Strange. I didn't spoil shit. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's definitely up there. But yeah, I think you throw that series with Wesley out there like that, where he's got a whole new mission. It's like, okay, here's Will Wheaton getting a chance of not being the annoying, precocious teen, and instead he's being the, <laughs> you know, the. Now he's like, he starts from being like the smartest guy in the room to being the most clueless person. Like, whoa. How does he catch up? There's so much there to play with. Yeah. It'd be very exciting. That's a good pick. That's what I'm saying. That's a good one to end our coulda, woulda, shoulda segment on. So for power rankings this week, I wanted to do something a little more abstract since we talked about all the characters. We talked about some episodes. We talked about moments. I want to know what are some things and you could do top three, if you got it, that are elements of Star Trek that you wish were real today in this time. Christy is our guest. Will you take us, take us to the, the lower decks here to discuss. (laughs) So my top three. Yes. Uh, I know all of the nasty, terrible, disgusting things that would happen, but a holodeck. I mean, come on. I mean, come on. That, I, if I remember from the movies, because it's in one of the movies, that's pretty much like VR play pretend, right? Yep. Awesome. Yeah. 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 But like intense. It's like, it's also kind of sensory. Ooh. It's. Yeah, because one of the movies opens with that, that they're all like having a good time in the holodeck doing something. It is Generations. Yeah. Oh, they're, Generations. They're okay. on the boat, like playing like. They're like old, like English sailors, like admirals and stuff. Yeah, on that's the ship. what it was. And they're like promoting Wharf, and that they're playing like <laughs> he has to like jump off like a plank to get his hat and stuff. <laughs> Data throws Crusher off the boat. <laughs> Is that not humor? So mad. Because <laughs> oh, like, that's hey, good that stuff. <laughs> Wait, that's not funny. Everyone else. Yeah, <laughs> Data, that's not funny. <laughs> yes, it is. It was funny. I think it, people laughed <laughs> in the theaters. Uh, Holodeck is a excellent pick. I would be shocked if that's not on both Red and my list too, but we'll see. 
Uh, and so do I go to number two? Sure thing. Yeah. Go for it. Just hit your three. Oh, number two. I mean, for one thing, a Starship cruiser mm-hmm. at all. Like, oh, let's go on a cruise in the stars. <laughs> like, like, we were just talking about kind of like, we were talking about kind of the comfort of the set and what it looked like. You know, wouldn't it be amazing to actually get that room with the stars whizzing by and kind of see how it yeah. is. Um, that would totally, um, that would take tourism and travel to a whole new level. Mm-hmm. It's a good one. That'd be dope. Yeah. Go to take a little trip around Mars. Maybe now with Elon Musk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you want to get, uh, feel very uncomfortable. <laughs> I will give, I will give the enterprise credit for not being such a phallic shape. <laughs> <laughs> It's true. You know. If you know, you know. <laughs> Jeffrey Bezos. Jeffrey Bezos. It's a bird. You did it's it. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's a flying dick. <laughs> uh, good, good pick for number two. Oh, gosh. And number three. Oh, man. Number, th- like, third thing. I mean, I mean, teleportation. Hell, yeah. yeah. For sure. <laughs> I mean, would we all be, would I, would, we would all still be late for stuff though, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we would all be like, I can teleport there. I'll just, I have got to be there at six. I'll leave at 559. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know. Because everybody would procrastinate to, to the last second for sure. <laughs> absolutely. But also less traffic. Yeah. Good one. I mean, it's, it's just, it'd be <laughs> Those are my top so three. obvious. Yeah. Pretty practical, pretty big, but yes. still, I want them. I want what I want. There are three very appealing things. Do you want me to go next, Fred, or do you want to take it? I can go. Um, top three things that I wish were real, aside from like a utopian society free of most prejudice. Yeah, uh, that'd be nice. I would. Ha- I had teleportation on there, and then. I also had my third one, uh, Ghosts and Ghost Romance. I know there's an episode where uh, Diana has a romance with a Scottish ghost. I tried to watch it. I only got to see clips, and <laughs> I'm super into that. I wish that was real because I'm I'm about to get married, but I I would date a ghost because <laughs> like if you if you get in an argument, you can just leave. They can't leave, so you know you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> Cheap dates, they don't eat. Uh, you don't have to argue about what you're going to eat, which is like in my house, the biggest fight. Yeah, I would say, and I like staying in. So I think ghosts, teleportation and like world peace and just like uh, people being up on gender dynamics and all that stuff. <laughs> like, cause yeah. that's what I love about Star Trek. Like we're all evolved past this, <laughs> you yeah. know, and I'm very about that. <laughs> I like your approach to this question. It's way more mature and of the times. (laughs) I'm like, like a kid, like, give me a spaceship. I said I wanted to date a ghost. I don't know if (laughs) I'm really. Fred's got an optimistic version of the future, but also just really wants that Patrick Swayze life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. It's not the first time you brought up that movie. 
which also has movies. Hey, that was about. that. Was, that's the that's the one of the movies that was born the or not born came out the year I was born. Yeah, I feel, I want somebody separately like in Vegas be doing odds on the movie references that make their way in this podcast. Because <laughs> oh, right now we have like Ghost, Forrest Gump, <laughs> and I mean it's just things you wouldn't expect to come up. But hey, that's where life takes you, right? What about you, Tom? Well, you guys said a lot of good ones so far. So I'm going to try not to repeat, but I will say that the teleporter does sound pretty sweet. I've always thought that teleportation would be the coolest thing ever, especially for travel. Like, I don't have to get on a plane, especially now. I don't want to go through the whole hassle of packing my bag and being next to gross people on a plane for, you know, four hours. Like, just put me where I need to go, and then I'm on my way, and then I don't have to deal with anybody. Number two, I'm surprised you guys just say this so far. How about the food generator? You can have any food, any drink at any time. Oh my gosh, like, how did I forget about that? Yeah. Sounds like my death. <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> there'd be definitely some some need for res- restraint, but it would be good yeah, for work. Hot, but... right? Like, oh yeah, that that that's true. I was just thinking about me. <laughs> <laughs> you want it homemade? Well, yeah. <laughs> There's like sometimes I'm like I just want some potato chips, like. And all I got to go, go up to the little thing and be like, give me some potato chips. <laughs> so that'd be good. And the third one, I'll also go a different technology that I think would be very helpful. How about a tricorder? And I have so many things at home where I'll have like a sniffle or something like that. I'm like, oh my God, I have COVID. And you could just scan me and like, Brrr! nope, you have a regular cold. And I'd be like, oh God, I really feel terrible today. I, do I have like bronchitis or something like that? You know, all these ailments. And it's like, Brrr! Nope, you have monkeypox. Like <laughs> you could never play hooky again. Right. Cause they would tell you exactly how much you have. Or they tell you you're sick. And it's like, yeah, you have a common cold. Don't go outside today. You're should be homebound for three days. <laughs> yeah, that stuff really gets under my skin, the medical part. Cause I remember watching the one where the the one where the original cast goes to like modern times and they're in a hospital yeah. and they're like, like bones, I think his name is right. His, yeah. his bones, the yeah. doctor, he's just like, Oh, they're still blah, 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 treating kidney failure with this. And I have kidney failure. So I was just like, give me, give me that future tech bones, bones, come here, bones, touch my kidney, fix it. <laughs> well, there is like, I think that there is an episode. I don't remember if it's TNG or something else where they find like people floating through space that were like cryogenically frozen. Cause they all had these interminable diseases and they wake them up and they're like, Oh yeah, we can cure you now. And they're like, Oh shit. Oh, mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's actually a pretty good one. That could have been a two parter. They could have yeah. dug in deep with that crazy stuff because they were like yeah, um, that sounds because cool. they were all from the eighties, so it was like from the time the show was coming out. Yeah. They could have found I more like people. It would have just been this manifest of hot mess expresses that were just defrosted. <laughs> yeah, that would always be just like that's always kind of been like not an irrational fear, but just always like this thing of like, what would happen if like you got frozen and like you woke up like in the distant future? Like, what would you do? Like, everyone you know is gone. Everything you know is different. You're like. I'm on a starship in space. This is friggin' nuts. <laughs> it's uh, getting Rip Van Winkle. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Just getting cured, though, of your terminal <laughs> disease. It's a, uh, yeah, it's a fun show, Star Trek, and I'm glad we had an opportunity to talk about it. But we had some good power rankings today. We had some good discussion about the highlights of the show. 
But I want to hear about the highlights of your life for a little plug segment as we get here to the end. Christy, why don't you uh, go ahead if you have anything you'd like to plug for the people out there and podcast listeners. Ah, well, well, thank you, Tom. Um, yes. <laughs> I, you know, crazy thing, I'm actually in a play that is one night only at the end of June. Yes, it's in Los Angeles, but get this, it's being filmed. And it can be Ooh. available on demand at the end of July or because it's for a play festival. So it will be virtual and you pay 15 bucks and you can watch basically whatever plays are happening at the festival that you want. Um, That's so you awesome. Have like, That's amazing. So you have like three whole days to like subscribe and then you can watch this original play that I'm in. What's the name of the play you're in? A good American. Oh. A good American. Mm. So if you are in the local Los Angeles area or nearby area, please go out and see. Are you the titular good American? Uh, no. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I think that's awesome, though. $15, even if you're streaming it to watch live performance, I mean, you're not going to get your Hamilton tickets. Yeah. Is that Do people still get like try to get Hamilton tickets? I don't know. I don't they know. do. I've, I've, they've, there's that lottery, that sweet, sweet lottery. <laughs> yeah. It is nice getting the $10 tickets if you win that. I did that for Phantom one day, and that was a lot of fun. Oh, but, nice. oh yeah. Yeah. It's a... Uh, it's great. So, yeah, please look that up. Good American. And Fred, anything you would like to plug? Uh, when is this drop-in? Can I ask? June 1st. Ooh, perfect. This this weekend, y'all. June, this is June 1st. Because you, you're listening this right when it drops. I know you can't <laughs> wait. You're listening on Wednesday. Uh, Friday and Saturday, the Interchange Theater in Milwaukee are bringing back the renowned show 2 by 4 and I will be in one of those evenings doing two-person improv. They have not announced who's doing what day, but if you go to the Interchange website, they will be announcing that soon. But uh, Interchange, great improv in Milwaukee. Come support it. And that's about it. That's all I have to plug. Maybe check out my Instagram, chef underscore Fredalicious. <laughs> if you want to see when I, uh, during the pandemic, decided my Instagram is going to be purely food. And that lasted for about four months, <laughs> but there's still some great food pictures and some new pictures on there and stuff. Uh, I'm tagging a lot of performance pictures. So, you know, you can just print that output in your wallet, you know, walk around with it. It's a is great it ball. this one? Yeah, it is. I'm following immediately. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Christy, what's your new Instagram handle after your, uh, your fun experience with the crypto clowns? Um, you know what? I got that one back. So, oh, yes, you did. I, did. I got it back. That is exciting. So, news. I have that. I do have a personal Instagram, but I also have a professional actor Instagram that I actually just started. And that's Christiana underscore Barbatelli. It's spelled exactly as it sounds, just don't add an H. <laughs> Christiana underscore Barbatelli. And I just moved to Los Angeles. So, you'll be getting insight on my crazy ride and figuring out what the hell I'm doing out here. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> it'll be fun. very exciting no that's good it's uh it's uh the reason to come you guys have both provided some very good promise for your instagram <laughs> <laughs> i don't have anything like that to promise other than 
pictures of my nephews <laughs> at TC Stadler. It's uh, spelled how it sounds. I already follow so, you. Thanks. I'm <laughs> glad I have friends out there in, in the world. Uh, but I'll also just plug our podcast here. I mean, we do have a Instagram. It's at State of the Franchise. On Facebook, State of the Franchise with Fred and Tom. We also have our Buy Me a Coffee page. It's buymeacoffee.com slash S-O-T-F. We're just looking for any small donations to help us keep the show going. Just a couple bucks, and uh, that's all we're asking out of you. Otherwise, your listens are definitely good enough for us. I want to reassure you, we are very happy that we have so many listeners, and we are very happy to have awesome guests like you, Christy. Thank you so much for coming on the show this week. Thank you for having me. This totally, I know it's only Tuesday, but this totally has made my week. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm happy to have friends who invite me out of their cool, fun podcast. I've been having a lot of fun listening and now I get to be on. So that's awesome. Thank you for that. And for giving, for giving me a place to talk about Star Trek. It's been really fun with you too. Yeah, it's been good. And I think clearly we might have to revisit this topic at some point because <laughs> there's so many other series that we're like, we're going to talk about Dave's Deep Space Nine. We're going to talk about Voyager. There's so much. Uh, there's a lot to talk about and not a lot of time. I'll watch the Cole Meany one. Oh. Which one? He's the Irish guy with like the intense face. That's Deep Space Deep Nine. Deep Space Nine. That was another cast member on, uh, he's in the Dan Borg episode yeah. yeah i like that actor chief o'brien yeah oh chief o'brien <laughs> yeah or yeah engineering chief or whatever he is but <laughs> anyway it's uh we'll, we'll, we'll revisit this at some time thank you all for listening to the show this week and we'll see you next time where we'll be discussing rupaul's drag race yes 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 yeah we got an exciting episode planned for that so we'll see you then Bye. In the uh, sanctity of time here. <laughs> for, I know it's late for you guys. Yeah, it's already a little late, but I mean, we, we knew we were getting into, I hope. <laughs> I imagine this is probably going to be at least an hour and 45 minute episode, if not more. <laughs> a two parter. <maybe? laughs> but we're not going to release the second part till next year. Mr. Warf. <laughs> <fire>. <laughs> that would be, oh, how mad would people be? <laughs>